0: You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love.
1: If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the
0: Savage Lovecast. Some good news, ladies. I think this is good news mostly for the ladies, and save Kansas, there hasn't been much good in the news for the ladies lately, so we're going to take a moment and savor this win. A new dating app just dropped. Dropping along with it, your chances of winding up in a restaurant sitting across the table from someone who stormed the Capitol on January 6th and washes his Trump flags more often than he washes his sheets. Why don't you tell us all about it, Ryan? Ryan.
1: Hey guys i'm ryan i've got to tell you about something i am so excited to announce a dating app for all of us conservatives it's called the right stuff and it's launching this september what i love most about it is that it's invite only so not just anyone can join first of all it's free to use and for my ladies you'll never have to pay because we all get premium subscriptions for simply inviting a couple friends gentlemen If you want access to premium, that's on you. And by the way, those are the only two options, ladies and gentlemen.
0: So this new dating site, the right stuff, invite only, which means it's not enough to be an asshole. You got to know an asshole or know two assholes, two lady assholes. If you're a lady asshole yourself and you want a free premium membership. Gentlemen, no matter how big an asshole you are, no matter how many assholes you know, You're gonna have to pay for that premium membership. Oh, and of course, ladies and gentlemen are the only options at the right stuff. Non-lady, non-gentlemen need not apply. So, sorry, all you assigned female at birth, non-binary, mask-presenting allosexuals out there—you know, the kind of vulva havers who sometimes go by traditionally masculine names like Ryan—you're not wanted at the right stuff. No dates with anti-choice Trump supporters for you. Ryan also lets us know that pronouns, just generally pronouns, not wanted on the right stuff, which seems like it's going to get pretty awkward pretty quick, seeing as pretty much everyone uses pronouns all of the time and not just gender outlaws. Oh, this just in. I looked up Ryan just now. I googled the name. Turns out Ryan is a name for both boys and girls which makes Ryan the they them of first names. Anyway, Ryan's pitch for The Right Stuff closes with this.
1: We're sorry that you've had to endure years of bad dates and wasted time with people that don't see the world our way, the right way.
0: Okay, right wingers, or is stuffers your preferred pronoun now? Because I'm happy to use it if it is. Just wanted to jump in here and say, right stuffers, you weren't Enduring bad dates, you weren't on bad dates, you were bad dates. And this idea that right wingers, right stuffers, were somehow being oppressed on other dating apps because other people might be using pronouns they didn't like there or dating people they wouldn't date themselves. It's like the MAGA folks who were losing their shit on Facebook last week after Cracker Barrel, which is a restaurant chain. That has a lot of locations in the South. The restaurant chain that got anti-gay famous in the early 1990s for firing their gay waiters, that restaurant chain announced they would now be serving impossible breakfast sausage, a plant-based protein. Not exclusively, not instead of regular ground-up pig sausages, but as an option for people who prefer plant-based proteins. But somehow, just knowing that someone at the next table might be eating something that you wouldn't eat yourself, that drove some right-wingers crazy. In the same way, I guess, that knowing someone on a dating app you might also be on is out there using pronouns you wouldn't use, or seeking partners you wouldn't want to have sex with, that makes right-stuffers crazy angry too. Look, right-stuffers, you don't want to... Eat the plant-based protein. You don't have to eat the plant-based protein. Just because it's on the menu doesn't mean you have to order it. The straight waiters at Cracker Barrel aren't going to come to your table and shove fake meat down your throat. Likewise, you were required to date the AFAB mass-presenting NBs on Tinder who took the name Ryan after coming out as furries and adopting Kit Kitten as their pronouns. Still we're happy for you. We're happy that you have the right stuff. We're happy that you have a place you can call your own. A little MAGA Israel, I guess. A place where right stuffers can go get stuffed. Every right winger who leaves Tinder or OkCupid or Bumble or Field enhances the experience of getting on those apps or remaining on those apps for the people they've left behind. And Quick word with the gays and lesbians. I don't know what the policy is at the right stuff about us, but I suspect we're not wanted there. Just as we weren't wanted on eHarmony back in the day. Remember eHarmony? This will be everlasting. The commercials were ubiquitous in the early nineties. It was a dating site founded by an evangelical Christian and clinical psychologist who developed some very special compatibility model algorithms that could supposedly match people with their perfect mate. But they didn't let gays and lesbians on eHarmony at first because, well, not because the evangelical founder hated our gay guts, although he did, but because, he said, his models, his compatibility models, were optimized for opposite sex couples And he didn't want to get our gay hopes up by letting us on eHarmony. And we did what we often do, what we have to do. We sued. Gays and lesbians brought a class action lawsuit against eHarmony and won. Because this kind of discrimination is rightly illegal. So eHarmony had to open its virtual doors, its virtual legs to us too. And they should have had to do that because this kind of discrimination is against the law as it should be. Like I said, I don't know if the right stuff is barring gays and lesbians just like they're barring non-lady, non-gentleman individuals, and I don't care. But if they are, maybe let's not sue this time? Because it seems to me that if the worst people on every other dating app want to take their bats and balls and their Trump flags and MAGA hats and go home or go elsewhere to get stuff, (laughs) just fuck the fuck off, let them, good by good riddance. Let's not force our way in, all us gays and lesbians and bisexuals and pansexuals and omnisexuals and all the other bespoke sexuals out there. Let's not class the joint up by showing up in the joint. Let's not make it look more attractive or like more fun than it is or likely isn't. And hey, straight ladies, the guys you were trying to avoid on Tinder they're headed to the right stuff, they just got a little easier to avoid on Tinder and OkCupid and Bumble and Field than everywhere else. It is a win. Again, it's not a Kansas-sized win, but it is a win. All right, coming up on the micro and the Magnum Savage Lovecast science and health reporter Benjamin Ryan, who has been covering the monkeypox outbreak for NBC News, joins me to talk about co-ed bathhouses. Apparently they're a thing are they a risk? Ben is here with an answer. And on the Magnum Savage Lovecast, subscribe at savage.love. Chrissy Stroop is a leader in the exvangelical movement. She's here to explain what the exvangelical movement is. She's also a trans woman, drops by to help a listener of mine from a similar religious background navigate a tricky pronoun situation. And this week's Savage Love, the column, has everything from cock rings that are too tight to standards that are too high to Swedes that are. Very pregnant and craving ass, all that and more in a quickie's Savage Love column, which you can read right now at savage.love slash savage love. All right, let's get to the calls. Floria is an all-natural health and sexual wellness company with product lines using the power of plant actives and CBD to effectively enhance intimacy, sexual pleasure, daily well-being, and relief from discomfort. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash savage. Support for today's show, support we are very grateful for, comes from stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk in your own home, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Just click, print, mail, and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now, use Savage for this special offer. Includes up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Savage. That's stamps.com, enter S-A-V-A-G-E. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Talkspace, online therapy that makes it easy to get extra mental health support. For $100 off your first month, go to Talkspace.com and use the offer code SAVAGE.
2: Hi, Dan Nassi, I'm the savvy at risk Youth. I'm a 30-something cis woman polyamorous living in Europe, in Brussels, and I have a question about 30 Talk. I've never been someone who would say I'm into it, but I'm discovering that it's something... I want to explore and that some things really work well with me and excite my brain. <laughs> but um have a bit of an issue in terms of languages. I currently speak three languages and I have partners with whom I exchange and speak in different languages depending on the partner. And the issue with dirty talking is I seem to have different reactions in terms of the same word but expressed in different languages. Let's just say that in general terms, I find Dirty Talk in my mother tongue way more aggressive than in uh, my secondary and third language. So I was wondering what your take on it is, any tips or suggestions to make it work, and maybe some experiences from other callers I would be really interested uh, to exchange.
0: So on the subject of Dirty Talk, uh, I was listening to... Former Republican Representative Denver Riggleman get interviewed on the Bulwark podcast. Riggleman's the GOP member of Congress who was primaried and turfed out of office after officiating at a gay staffers wedding. Anyway, he's on the Bulwark being interviewed by host Charlie Sykes about the January 6th committee and Riggleman, who is a military officer and worked for the National Security Agency, I promise you this has something to do with dirty talk was talking about the job the January 6th committee is doing and said this.
1: Like I've told people, they're going to tell you what they're going to tell you, the first hearing. Then they're going to tell you, which is hearings, you know, two through five, and then they're going to tell you what they told you. And that's really a a military briefing. They're setting this up almost as sort of looking at a course of action or looking at uh, sort of an after action report.
0: Tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them, what you told them i that's my advice when it comes to nervous newbies and dirty talk and i was so surprised to hear listening to a former nsa Sec- national security agency officer that that's also what a military briefing is tell them what you're going to tell them tell them then tell them what you told them every time someone said to me i want to try dirty talk but i'm too nervous i don't know what to say Yeah, do that. I'm going to fuck the shit out of you. I'm fucking the shit out of you. I fucked the shit out of you. That's dirty talk. I'm going to come on your face. I am coming on your face. I came on your face. I'm going to piss on you. I am pissing on you. I pissed on you. All this time, I've been giving that advice. I had no idea that I was urging people to do what military intelligence officers do when they're briefing members of Congress or anybody else. All right, that doesn't really address your question. Your question, ah, maybe above my pay grade, and you're tossing it out there to my listeners, most of whom are Americans, and Americans are famously not multilingual. Very few Americans speak more than one language. So this shifting between languages where you've noticed some things work for you, caller, some things work for you in your second and third language that don't work for you in your mother tongue, in your first language, Maybe in your first, I think you say in your first language, some of the things you're having to say seem harsher. The fix there would be to say things in your the other two languages that you speak, provided, of course, that the person you're saying those things to also speaks those languages, considering that you are in Brussels. Uh, I've been to Brussels. I was just there with my husband. My second visit to Brussels, absolutely love Brussels and Belgium. Most of the people we met there, unlike the Americans that we know and are, speak more than one language. So it seems to me that that's the obvious fix. But if that's not working for you, if you're more comfortable speaking in your mother tongue when you're having sex and it sounds a little rougher, a little rougher can be good. I had a German boyfriend many, many, many years ago, who didn't speak much English and wasn't comfortable speaking to me in English. And so our fix for Dirty Talk was he spoke German. And it was one of the things that helped me at that time pick up a little inappropriate German. I never got fluent. I got in the 80s what we called Saxon supermarket German. I could, uh, with my German language skills, get groceries and get laid, but that's all I could get. I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get into school. Uh, So yeah, Maybe your sex partners, if they don't speak the language you're most comfortable speaking in, dirty talking in, from, you know, circumstance and context, they'll be able to infer your meaning and maybe pick up a little more of whatever language it is that you're speaking at that time. All right, if there's anybody out there who's had some experience switching between languages during dirty talk and notice that you're more comfortable saying sometimes the exact same thing in English or French and less comfortable saying that exact same thing in German or Dutch. Give us a call. Let us know about your experience as a multilingual dirty talker an experience. Very few Americans can say that they've had.
3: Hi Dan, Nancy and the tech savvy at risk youth. I'm a mid thirties woman who is recently divorced. My ex and I were together for eight years, married for two. It's been hard for me to admit that he was abusive in our relationship, mostly because it was never physical. It was the way that he would threaten me, intimidate me, isolate me. I'm making a lot of progress in getting past all of this, but the one thing I can't let go of is the thought of his ex. I've never met this girl. She's always lived in another part of the U.S but over the course of our relationship, I heard a lot of stories about her being crazy and doing dramatic things that now I question because I understand who my ex is a lot better. The question for you is, is there anything to be gained from contacting this girl to ask her about my ex and help me realize that he's always been controlling and abusive? It just took me eight years to see it. Is there any kind of like validation worth getting from this? For time frame, they broke up about a decade ago. They are recently Facebook friends, but I, you know, I don't think they've seen each other or had any like real contact outside of that.
0: You were with your ex-husband for eight years. You know who he is. You know him better probably than anyone else, assuming his ex-girlfriend that he called crazy and said to dangerous, stupid things, she was probably with him for a shorter amount of time considering when in your lives these relationships probably fell then you were with your ex-husband. I would encourage you, rather than contacting this ghost, you know, this person from the past that you've never been in contact with before, rather than contacting her just tell yourself that you were right about your ex-husband that he was emotionally abusive the way he threatened you and yelled and screamed at you and isolated you and you were you were right to get out of that relationship and get away from that man i don't think you need to hear from an ex-girlfriend of his that he treated her in a similar way, or she came to the same conclusions about who your ex husband is that that you did, for you to know that you did the right thing in getting out of this marriage and getting away from this man. I think when you say, what is there to be gained? That's the obvious thing that you would hope to gain in that kind of a conversation, confirmation that you're not crazy. All right, well, the fact that you feel on some level that you might need that kind of confirmation makes me worry about how you'll feel if you don't get that confirmation from her. It's possible that, you know, for everything, shitty thing that your ex-husband said about his ex-girlfriend that he's now Facebook friends with, that she had a very different experience of being in the relationship with him, that she may even have fond memories. On some level, she's willing to at least publicly associate with him again be Facebook friends, linked on Facebook with him. And so what if what you hear from her isn't, oh yeah, he was awful to me and abusive. What if you hear something that complicates how you feel, that causes you as your ex-husband attempted to cause you to doubt your own sanity? So yeah, if you need something from her, My concern is how you'll react, how you'll feel. I don't think you'll get back together with your ex-husband, but how you'll feel if you don't get from her the confirmation that I have to assume you're hoping to get from her, that you're right about him, that he is awful and controlling and abusive. And the fact that she's willing to, again, be Facebook friends with him now would argue against her having come to the same conclusion. Maybe she wasn't with him as long as you were. Maybe he didn't show his full ass to her the way he showed his full ass to you. And I think there's some risk there for you personally. It also could be a risk for her to hear from you. Maybe she doesn't want to hear from you. Maybe she doesn't want to hear from him and only you know, accepted his Facebook friend request because she didn't want him blowing up at her for refusing his Facebook friend request. seems to me that you know everything you need to know about your ex-husband, including, you know, always a really bad sign when the person you're with speaks very negatively about their exes or their ex, all of them, or one of them. But if they speak ill of all of their exes, they're the common denominator in a lot of shitty relationships. So he's out of your life getting in contact with someone who is now back in his life is to drag him potentially back into your life. Move on. Trust your own judgment. Trust the conclusions you came to during your marriage about who your husband or who your ex-husband was and is. You don't need to hear from someone that you've never met and that you don't know to know that you did the right thing getting out of this marriage and getting away from this man. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Foria, makers of products for amazing sex, the kind of sex you want to have products, including arousal oil, clean lube bath salts and suppositories. People are literally saying things like this about Euphoria's products. This is a quote. I had a three minute orgasm and then a five minute orgasm and felt like I was surfing in a perpetual wave pool of pleasure And another quote, we use Awaken and when she gets on top, we both come so hard that we see sounds and hear colors. And it doesn't hurt when GQ calls you the best sex product of the year and Shape says you are the best invention since the vibrator. Now this is a little personal, but Terry and I tried the suppository and leave it to Foria to make suppositories sexy. They did it I'm not sure what they put in there. I know there's CBD at least, but they have some serious love potion energy. So yeah, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting www.foriawellness.com slash savage or use the code savage at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash savage for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their Awaken Arousal Oil and Sex Oil. You'll thank me later.
4: Hi, Dan et al. I'm an early 30s cis bi woman in a large city in Canada, and I'm in a monogamous relationship with a heteroflexible male partner. And I have a question about monkeypox. Obviously, I know that I'm personally not at great risk for this, but um, before COVID, my partner and I used to go to a bathhouse and sex club that caters to people of all different genders and sexual orientations. We've only gone once in the last two years because of COVID. We went right before Delta, and we haven't gone at all since. And I know that men who have sex with men are at a highest risk and that monkeypox is transmitted through close contact and fluid exchange. But given the possibility of fluids being, you know, around at the club, what is our risk if we were to go? Um, even if we'd almost certainly only have sex with each other, which I figure makes it a lot safer. But I'm still wondering, is there, like, an appreciable risk I'm not planning on going anytime soon because BA5 transmission is still so high in the community right now and I don't want to get COVID again. But I'm just wondering, is it advisable to go to a sex club at all right now, all other things being equal? Uh, A lot of other people who go there are straight, but just as many are bi or gay and a lot of people who go there are um, not monogamous. so I just wonder about the risk factor for, you know, even people who are not men who are having sex with other men. Um, I'm thinking in particular about the pool and the hot tub, but fluids could be anywhere in uh, in there.
0: Joining me to help tackle this question, Benjamin Ryan is an independent science reporter who has been covering infectious disease and LGBTQ health for two decades. He's been covering monkeypox for NBC News, also contributes to The New York Times, The Guardian, other publications. Hey, uh, Benjamin, how are you doing? Can I call you Ben? You can. Thanks for having me. So would you go to a sex club right now? People try to bait me into that on Twitter where they ask
5: what I would do and like, I'm not going to go there. But what's important is to look at what are the sources of evidence and what we do know right now? Where are the clues in the science about how this virus tends to transmit? A lot of people talk in terms of cans or can'ts, but it's much more valuable to talk to in terms of likelihood. So there was a paper in the New England Journal of Medicine that came out a couple of weeks ago. These researchers from all over the world pooled 528 cases of monkeypox, and they estimated that 95% of them were transmitting via sex between men, and only 0.6% were likely due to household contact, and 0.8% due to non sexual close contact. So this gives you a sense of what the likely huge gulf there is between sexual contact, including intercourse, and all the other kinds of close skin contact that comes in that context, and then other sources. So yes, it is possible, researchers tell us, that the virus can transmit through surfaces, in particular in bedding and towels and that kind of thing. So if you were in a sex club and somebody had a lesion and it touched some sort of surface and that touched you, yes, it is possible. But the question is, how likely is it? And so that's one thing that a lot more research is needed for, but that can sort of help help to hopefully guide our anxieties and our decision-making. But and to this woman's point, this is the classic scenario that people worry about. Men who have sex with men who also have sex with women, that could lead to transmission among women. But another question is, how far will those transmission chains, so to speak, go? Because are these women in turn engaging in lots of multiple sex partners that in turn you know lead to transmission out into the further community? And researchers don't think that that would necessarily be the case outside of men who have sex with men.
0: Okay. But I think it would be probably good commonsensical advice to tell her that if she and her heteroflexible male partner go to this sex club together, that he might not want to be so heteroflexible. He might want to flex in the hetero direction and for the moment not have sex with other men and then have sex with her. Well, what you just described They was, said
5: they were only going to having sex with each other in this club. So that was sort of a line that they drew. So that's
0: Right. One so I, I'm reinforcing so, the choice that she said she yeah. was going to make, like stick to yeah. each other. Uh, but but I got I got I wonder. I looked advice. at that study that you're talking about and I wonder, you know, it, it does seem to me that if it was easily transmitted via surfaces, a lot more people would have it 100%. than do. But somebody who's, you know, having sex with somebody is also coming into contact with surfaces that that person might have come into contact with. If you're having sex with somebody in your bed, on their sheets, how do you rule out that some of the infections were from surfaces, but there was also sex, or that the surface exposure wouldn't have led to an infection when there was also sex? If you could take the sex out of it, would there be more representation in this data?
5: I think what we can do is we can go to the first thing you said and say that there are myriad ways in our lives that we share towels and surfaces and utensils and rooms and all these other ways, and that men who have sex with men and gay and bisexual men are sharing towels with people and lying down on the couch with other people in a non-sexual way. So if all these fomites are called fomites, you know, that surfaces that could transmit a pathogen, indeed very readily transmitted this virus, we would see more cases in which these people were coming in with monkeypox and had no contact with men and sex men whatsoever. Um, so that, that's a clue there.
0: This reminds me of oral and HIV in the 80s. There mm-hmm. was a moment where the advice we were getting when public health departments finally started giving gay men advice was, you should use a condom for oral sex. Mm-hmm. And gay men just didn't. And then there was this moment we all looked at each other and went, well... If you could get it through oral, we'd all have it, and we all don't, so you obviously can't get it through oral. If you could get it easily... Well, I remember
5: through- you saying that in the 90s, and I've quoted you ever since. <laughs>
0: and I got blowback for saying that. I tried...
5: Uh, it, I was you know, very young, eager teenager, 18-year-old you know, in 1996, and once I su- someone wanted to have oral sex, I suggested using a, con- using a condom. It was so hysterical to this person that like, word got around Seattle that I had requested this absurd thing. So yeah, that that sort of tells you something about how few gay men observe that protocol.
0: The same applies here. If it was easily transmitted via surfaces, we would have seen more straight people right. who were at work with somebody who had monkeypox and didn't yet know right. or had been diagnosed. And we would see more infections among straight people, among casual contacts right. than what we're seeing, which is all almost all, overwhelmingly, 96-plus percent, sexual contacts.
5: And it's important, what you said was more easily. You didn't say can't. It just suggests that the virus transmits much more readily through very close contact. And that perhaps sometimes does transmit through these other means, but it's much less likely. And one thing that people, there's a lot of rumors that go on on Twitter, etc. Oh, well, no one is testing women and children. They get turned away. And... Okay, so maybe that does happen in some cases, but here's what we do know. If you look at the United Kingdom, they have a lot better data we do about their monkeypox outbreak, and they have data on test positivity rates. So if you know different groups of people come in and they test at different rates, you can look at their test positivity rates to get a sense of whether there's truly a disparity of, of disease among them. Or, 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 and that essentially, the, the test positivity rates controls for those difference in testing rates. In the UK, the test positivity rate for men is about 52%. For women, it's about 2%. And then for people under 18, it's well under 1%. So this helps guide our understanding that, yes, women and children, A, are being tested at a lower rate than men, but for good reason probably because they probably don't have monkeypox. Okay,
0: so final ruling for this caller. You can go to the sex club. You can have sex with your partner. If you're not going to have sex with anybody else, you're safe. Bring your own towel.
5: You can't rule out that the surface is there. You could contract monkeypox. Well, that's why I said bring your own towel. Find, you can lay down in your own towel. If you're gonna, but if you're if you were looking for surfaces that might have monkeypox on them, going to a sex club with the heteroflexible people would be the place to find them. So I would say that like it is conceivable that those could transmit, but it's much less likely than you if you actually had sex with those people. Okay,
0: then you're kind of sort of answering my question at the beginning. that you didn't mm-hmm. want to answer. You wouldn't go to a sex club right now. Neither would I.
5: Not going to answer it. <laughs>
0: But but one thing we both do want to emphasize, I'm a gay man, you're a gay man. Yeah. Monkeypox is not spontaneously generated during gay sex. So it's not like gay sex is going to kill us all or get everybody infected. Um, we need to... Isolate people who are infected. It's, they need to stay at home. That's what isolation means. It doesn't mean, like, social isolation. And get everybody that we can vaccinated and contain this thing.
5: And to consider behavioral change. All should be on the table.
0: Consider. I, that's a weasel mm-hmm. word. Like, I, I've been jumping down WHO and CDC's throat. Like, maybe gay men should possibly consider maybe temporarily altering their sexual... No, like, you should do it.
5: People are more receptive to the message if you invite them to a conversation than to telling them what to do. You know, that's essentially... Knowing how people are, if I say everyone needs to stop, if I'm Larry Kramer and just you know get a megaphone and everyone should stop doing everything, people will tend to recoil. I'm if in the telling
0: people what to do business. To a dialogue, for. you know, you're more than
5: welcome to, but that's sort of that's that would be my sort of approach to sort of have people more more receptive to the idea.
0: Benjamin Ryan, independent science reporter, covering monkeypox for NBC News. You have done heroic work covering monkeypox, getting the word out. Thanks. Check out his Washington Post op-ed headline, you are being misled about monkeypox. Everybody needs to read it. Ben, thank you so much for jumping on the phone. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Talkspace. So many of us know we need therapy, but finding the right therapist and making the time to see that therapist can be such an impediment, such a block to getting started on the therapy you need. That's why I recommend Talkspace. Getting the help you need has never been so simple. With Talkspace, you're able to access your provider from the comfort of your own device or devices. That means therapy can be, and always is, there for you on your schedule. And alleviating the wait times to get an appointment and the travel time to get to a therapist's office, that can free up a lot of time for you to go live the rest of your life. Talkspace is so convenient and so accessible, it will help you feel supported around the clock. Talkspace lets you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform 24-7. With Talkspace, you set goals with your therapist and they hold you accountable and make sure you're really progressing. Therapy can help you shift your perspective, help you find tools to cope in difficult times, and be a guiding light. That's why I recommend therapy to so many of my listeners. Talkspace is a great place to get that therapy. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties, including depression, anxiety, substance abuse, LGBT issues, anger management, relationship issues, food and eating, and so much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Don't put it off. Make sure to use the code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E, To get $100 off your first month and show your support for the Lovecast. That's savage at talkspace.com.
6: Hi, Dan. I'm a six-year-old man who was married and has three children. And about five years ago, my wife died. I always knew I was gay, but I was raised in a Catholic Italian family. And that's what I was supposed to do. After my wife died, I was like a kid in a candy store. I couldn't get enough. I lived alone, so I was free to do whoever and whatever I pleased. COVID hit, so things slowed down tremendously. But then after things opened up again, I met this guy, and him and I hit it off really well. The sex was tremendous. We both were able to enjoy each other's bodies, and there was no complaints. But all of a sudden, the last four or five times we've been together he hasn't been able to ejaculate or have an orgasm. And that bothers me for a couple reasons. One, I'm thinking, is it me? Am I not doing something to please him? And of course, I would ask him that and he said everything was great. And second of all, I really like hum. I like the taste of it. I like having it in my mouth. I like having it on my body. I like Cleaning off a dick after it explodes. These are all things that really pleasure me. And because he can't ejaculate, it's not happening. I'm sure you're going to say, Well, have you talked to him about it? I have. He says there's nothing wrong. I asked him if he was on some new medication. And he said, No, the only thing he takes is Viagra, which I guess explains why he stays hard, but doesn't climax. I'm concerned. I really don't want this relationship to end. Is it me or is there some other reason that he's not telling me?
0: I really feel that I have to say something about the fact that you married a woman despite always having known that you were gay. You say that you were raised Catholic and Italian. I was raised Catholic and Irish, marrying a woman or going into the priesthood. Those were my options. And we're not that far apart in age, actually. And yeah, I I just have a little bit of a sad for your wife. I know nothing about your relationship. You don't offer much information about your marriage. I hope it was loving and you were able to make her feel good about herself. A lot of people who wind up married to closeted gay men or lesbians wind up carrying with them all their lives this pain, this sense of that there's something wrong with their marriage that they can't name, that they don't know, and they wonder all their lives. As you're wondering now, caller, with your uh, current boyfriend, if they're doing something wrong, if you're doing something wrong, like, well, what is it about me that's, you know, not working in this relationship that I'm not feeling perhaps the way I should feel? And it was nothing wrong with the straight spouse in that situation. It was that they were married to a closeted person who couldn't ever really fully, truly love them both sexually and romantically. Now I'm a big advocate of the companionate marriage and not everyone who wants a long-term relationship or seeks one out is looking for sex much or any at all. And it could be that your life with your wife and the kids that you two had together and the time that you spent together was low conflict and loving and it was all she wanted and you met every need. But I have concerns. I have concerns when gay men say, I couldn't be out, uh, therefore I had to. And I'm sorry, we're close to the same age, Catholic family, Irish family, Italian family. It's 2022, 2022, Backing up 30, 40 years, you could have been out. You could have. And I, I don't want to bag on you. I just I just want to live in a world where this doesn't have to happen anymore. And I'm not laying the blame at your feet for this having happened in your life and your wife's life. And for all we know, it was a loving marriage and you made your wife very happy. And I'm glad for that, if that's the case. Um, and it, it's not your fault. You didn't create the social or religious settings that made it difficult for you to be out. And there are certainly people right now who are 18 years old who are raised by families or grew up in religious traditions where they don't feel that being out and gay or out and lesbian or out and bi or out as trans is possible for them. And I want to say it's more possible now than it has been historically. And the more people who make it possible for themselves, the less likely people are in the future to choose the closet and potentially, again, caller not saying this is what you did, potentially harm the people that we either yank into the closet with us, you know, secret relationships or who are basically the closet door that we're hiding behind. All right, to answer your question, Occam's razor, your boyfriend who had no problem coming before is telling you he's taking Viagra. Maybe that's why he's having problems ejaculating. Some men who take Viagra stay hard, stay hard, but it makes it more difficult for them to climax. Perhaps he upped his dose recently, which can also make it difficult. You should say to him, look, sometimes when I come over, don't take Viagra. Even if your erection comes and goes or you're half hard when you come, Like sometimes I just want the jizz. And yeah, it doesn't sound like you're doing anything wrong. It wasn't a problem before. It became a problem in just the last three or four times. Maybe he's still adjusting. You know, Maybe he switched from Viagra to Cialis or Cialis to Viagra. And it's going to take him a minute to find the groove and blowing those hot sticky loads again that you waited most of your life to get to, to get to eat, to get to swallow, get to lick up. So Good for you. Glad you're happy now. Hope your wife was happy then. Everyone, myself included, is so stressed out right now. Trying to find new ways to bring calm into your life is crucial, especially if you're doing the heroic work of running a small business. Having to drop everything you're doing to make a run to the post office is a major pain especially if you're not sure how much postage you need and you gotta line up and you have more important things to do than line up at the post office so stop mailing and shipping the hard way stamps.com with your 24 7 post office that you can access from anywhere stamps.com saves you time money and stress for more than 20 years stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from your computer. You'll get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. Whether you're an office sending invoices, an Etsy shop sending out your products, or a warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com makes mailing and shipping a breeze. All you need is your regular computer and printer, no special supplies or equipment. Plus, Stamps.com seamlessly works with Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and more. You'll be up and running in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package, and sending it anywhere you need to send it. You can even order shipping supplies through Stamps.com, including free priority mail envelopes and boxes. Don't mail and ship. The hard way. Don't go to the post office ever again. Sign up with the promo code SAVAGE for a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. So you'll always know the right amount of postage. No long term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code SAVAGE.
2: Hi,
7: Dan. I am the mother of an almost 15 year old non binary asexual child. And we live in the Deep South where abortion is no longer legal because of trigger laws. And so I ran out and bought a bunch of Plan B while I still could. And my concern is that the next thing coming is losing access to birth control. At some point my child has a uterus and at some point we were going to get them an IUD for protection because they may be asexual but rape happens in college and college is on the horizon for this child and we want them to be protected especially since they can't get an abortion here anymore if something does happen and so my concern is that IUDs which is the route that my child would prefer are going to become illegal. But right now they're only 14. They've never had an OBGYN exam. Getting an IUD is uncomfortable at best and slightly painful at worst and can be more painful if things don't go perfectly. And I don't wanna put my child through that. We were going to wait until they were about 17 to do this. But now I think I need to hurry up and do it while it's still legal. And we still can. And I mean, IEDs are good for a long time, but 14 is still so young.
0: Don't assume because your kid is asexual that your kid won't be sexually active or choose to be sexually active. Not sexually assaulted or raped. I hope that doesn't happen to your kid or anyone else's kid. But a lot of asexual people choose to have sex for reasons that have nothing to do with a desire for sex. There can be a desire for physical intimacy. Some people... Identify as asexual and then begin to identify as gray sexual. If you go on to the asexuality visibility network or you go into any asexuality boards, you'll find lots of sexually active asexual folks. So I just want to emphasize that. So if there are other parents out there listening who have kids who identify as asexual, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to avoid conversations about sex, safety, consent, contraception, abortion, or anything else. You still need to have those conversations with your kid who at this stage of their life identifies as asexual. And I don't want to say that in such a way where I'm casting doubt on the legitimacy of asexuality as an identity or a sexual orientation. The research and data are in, it is a sexual orientation and it is a perfectly legitimate one. I think though for a lot of young teenagers, it can also be a bit of a refuge. It can be a place where you feel safe to hit the pause button and say, no, I'm not interested in sex right now, or sex is big and scary, and I want my lack of, perhaps not lack of desire, but lack of desire to engage sexually with my peers or anyone else respected. So I'm identifying as asexual right now, in the same way that some gay men and lesbians identify as bisexual as part of their coming out process, and that doesn't mean bisexuality doesn't exist, and there aren't bi guys and bi women out there, Some people, particularly I think younger people, will identify as asexual. Not to hide, not because they're in denial, but to hit the pause button. Again, when sex is big and scary. Sex is always going to be big and scary. It's big and scary throughout your life, but I think it's particularly big and particularly scary for people going through puberty. All right, you can get an IUD, a teenager can get it on IUD. I think the person you need to talk to is not your local sex advice podcast monkey. I think the person you talk to is your non-binary teenager about what particular method of birth control they're most comfortable with as they get a little bit older. 14. College is a few years away, three or four years away. If college is the concern, there's time. Still, there are a lot of queer kids out there, including, you know, asexuality is under the queer umbrella, asexual kids who become sexually active, have the conversation with your 14-year-old now, that is an age-appropriate conversation to have about sexual activity, about birth control, about consent, about uh, abortion, and acquaint them with all of their options, And yeah, these are scary times. Who knows if birth control where you live is going to be legal in a few years. Who knows what the Republican Party, uh, where it has complete control of a red state, is capable of, or what the Republican Party, if it takes control of both houses of Congress and the White House again, is capable of. That is why right now, right now is a great time to go get a whole big pile of Plan B, get all the condoms you can fit in a drawer. Uh, get m and medication abortions, get those pills, put them away. They have a shelf life of up to five years. So you can get all that now, have them in a drawer where your teenager knows they are and they're accessible to them and they will get your teen all the way through to their sophomore year of college. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some listener tweets. Memory Hole tweets, A woman's most powerful weapon is the control of her own pussy. If men could devise a way to physically take our pussies from us and sell them like meat, fur, and ivory, they would do it. Women, fight with everything you can to control your bodily autonomy. Hashtag Savage love cast. I'm not sure what particular response or rant Memory Hole is referring to, but I have to say I agree with Memory Hole. I would only add that men who support the right of women to control their own bodies should join the fight too, if only to balance out the number of women out there fighting against other women's right to bodily autonomy. Tower NYC tweets regarding the giggler in Savage Lovecast episode 824, golden showers don't have to be about humiliation They can be about anointing the receiver, a gift, a blessing, a unifying experience. Good point. Peeing on someone doesn't have to be about humiliation. It can be about unification, unifying the caller's bladder in this case. One of the smaller organs in the body with the much larger organ of her husband's body, the largest organ of her husband's body, his skin. And finally, Tess Artist tweets, I cannot contain my enthusiasm for this OTP, which stands for one true pairing of interesting conversation with at Fake Dan and at Gareth Russell 1. The two of them united. I don't deserve it. I've never been happier to be a Magnum sub than I am right now. Hashtag Savage cast, Hashtag Young and Damned. And fair. We got tons of great response from Magnum subs out there who loved my recent Sex and Politics podcast conversation with historian Gareth Russell about his biography of Catherine Howard. She was Henry VIII's. Fifth Wife, if you'd like to hear that convo, along with my conversations with Michelle Goldberg from the New York Times and author Jill Filopovich, and others, become a Magnum subscriber today. Magnum subs get extra long ad-free lovecasts, invites to our monthly Zoom hangouts, and sex and politics, our bonus podcast, all for 35 bucks a year. Subscribe now at Savage Love. All right. Thanks to everybody who posted your social media about the love cast this week. It really helps get the word out about the show and we really, really appreciate it. And now listener response calls.
2: Hi, Dan.
7: Just a quick comment for the woman on the most recent episode who was worried that she and her boyfriend weren't having sex enough. My recommendation would be to schedule sex. I loved everything you said, but it can also be a really great way to get rid of a lot of that anxiety because this anxiety is based in the unknown. You don't know. You don't know what he's thinking, right? So take a minute, schedule sex, look at that schedule. Maybe it's every two, three weeks, and maybe you play and sex a little beforehand during the day, but bring it out into the open and make it something that you regularly talk about so that you don't have to worry about it so much. Good luck.
4: Hi, Dan. I'm calling about the caller on episode 824 who was afraid that she might start laughing or giggling when she was peeing on her partner because that's what he wants and what she should do about it. And I like to think that laughter is actually awesome in bed. And for me, some of my best sexual experiences have included everybody just having a major giggle attack together and we're all just rolling with that and it's really few things more releasing and cathartic than a good laugh attack except for well you know the other things we're doing sex for and that she should just go for it lean into the laughter sex is joyous
1: hey dan this is the first caller from episode 824 where you excoriated me for wanting to tell my kids that I was going over to Hito during my uh, Jamaican wedding. And I want to thank you. You allowed me to um, get a win with my new wife now. We got married last week. It was great. We did not give the kids the details. We simply told them that we had met the other couple on a cruise. They didn't ask which one. We didn't give them details. And we told them that we were going over to A resort with them and I woke up on Tuesday morning a friend told me that uh, you had answered my question I got to listen to it and listen to how you told me to shut the fuck up and it was too much information I didn't need to share that much which was exactly my fiance's point so I got to roll over in bed and tell my wife that she was absolutely right said Dan Nancy Um, Thank you. Thank you for the Mazel Tov. And and thank you for allowing me to tell my wife that she was right. It did make her very happy. The only loss was you comparing me to Jerry Falwell Jr.
0: And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Use the voice memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. The Hump 2022 Fall Tour starts in less than a month. First up on September 10th, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then we're having an Encore Hump 2022 screening here in Seattle before Hump heads to theaters in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Minneapolis, Kansas City, Atlanta, Victoria, and Los Angeles. We'll also be streaming this year's lineup of amazing, dirty movies, this year's Hump 2022 Film Festival, every weekend from August 26th to October 16th. Go to humpfilmfest.com for tickets to see Hump in a theater, as Hump was meant to be seen, or... You can get tickets to stream Hump in the privacy of your own home. Again, at HumpFundFest.com. Follow me on Twitter at Savage. Follow Chrissy Stroop on Twitter at C underscore Stroop. And follow Benjamin Ryan on Twitter at Ben BenRyanRider. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. And me and the tech savvy at-risk youth and Nancy will all be back at you next week on an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading